Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex, a turntide company. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VES Artex's podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm your host, Annie, and today I'm joined by Dr. Barbala Forrest of the University of British Columbia's Animal Welfare Program. So today we're going to discuss how many technologies have the option to become smart, and barns are no exception. We are able to utilize smart systems in the barn environment to have a positive effect on animal welfare and production traits. So thank you so much again for being with us today, Dr. Forrest. Let's start off by having you introduce yourself and giving us some of your background. Hello, everyone, and thanks, Annie, for having me on this podcast. Yeah, a little bit of background. I studied veterinary medicine. I'm originally from Hungary, so that's where I studied. And then I moved on to do a PhD in Germany, uh, where I started working with precision agriculture technologies. And now I'm a postdoctoral fellow at the University of British Columbia in the Animal Welfare Program. And my research focuses on uh, smart farming technologies and especially how we can utilize these to measure the behavior of animals and to draw inferences about animal welfare. Perfect. Well, thank you again. So I'd like to start off the discussion um, talking about cow brushes. They're a very popular and honestly, I feel like a fun item to see in the barn for both cows and humans. So how do these brushes work and why are cows always using them? Well, I totally agree. And I've been working with brushes for almost two years now. Uh, and it's it's definitely a fun thing to watch. And also, I really do think that cows tremendously enjoy having these devices in the barn. So essentially, these cow brushes, there are multiple versions from very simple brushes being mounted or fixed to uh, barn gates or to certain fixed um, items in the barn. And cows can utilize these devices uh, to scratch themselves. So in nature, they would have trees and certain abrasive surfaces to uh, clean their coats and to have a good scratch. They, they don't really have this in the barn. So that's where cow brushes come into place. There are also uh, a bit more sophisticated uh, versions of brushes, mechanical brushes, and many of these uh, rotate. And you can imagine these like a big car wash, so to say. So cows have these huge uh, rotating abrasive brushes. Uh, they can go there, push them, then they start to rotate. And then cows can enjoy walk um, up and down and have their whole body uh, brushed and their coat cleaned. So are there certain types of cows or maybe even environments where brushes are used more often than others? Well, it's a bit, bit hard to say because there has been very little uh, peer-reviewed validated research on how cow brushes are used. So farmers often purchase these to give something good for their cows and to enjoy uh, something for them to enjoy. Um, however, we don't really know how much cows use these brushes and how it differs between environments. So that's why we started doing a bit more research on uh, on brushes and aim to, to develop a smart brush. What is the average daily brush use for a cow? That's an excellent question and I wish I knew the answer. So there are some studies, let's just say like maybe around 10 peer-reviewed papers and some of them have looked at the brush use duration of cows. And there is certainly variation. 
So a couple of papers found anything, something around like two to seven minutes, uh, but other work has found 20 to 30 minutes uh, per cow per day. So we are uh, sure that there is variation between cows and possibly also between environments. All these studies have been performed in uh, different barns with cows in different stages of lactation under different ter temperature circumstances. So currently we know that there are certainly factors influencing how much cows benefit from these brushes, but we don't exactly know what these factors are. Obviously, as we talked about, there's so many commercial brushes available on the market today, but there seems to be little data in this area. Are there any brushes that actually collect data to establish the effect on cow's welfare? So I am personally not aware of any commercially available brush that would uh, collect data on its use and would give it back to farmers. Uh, and we definitely think that this is a gap that should be addressed, um, at least for research purposes for now. And um, that's why we aimed to uh, develop a brush uh, that could give us more information on how it is used so we can start and tackle some of these factors that influence the variation in brush use. So can you give us some more information on the brush that you have developed and some of the data that you've collected from this smart brush? Absolutely. So the idea behind measuring brush use in dairy cow groups uh, relies on the combination of two sources of data. Um, basically, there has been some previous work uh, trying to capture brush use by measuring the cow presence in the brush area. However, this work has found that it is not enough to just, for example, use RFID uh, readers to detect which cows are in the brush area because sometimes cows just hang out there and they don't actually use the brush. Um, there has also been previous work that coupled um, uh, infrared sensors, so the brush could only turn on uh, when the cow was nearby. Uh, but uh, again, this has been a very um, high maintenance and custom-made technology. So we tried to do something a bit more straightforward. So the idea was to just uh, adjust uh, and attach a simple interface uh, to the brush to measure when it's moving and when it's actually rotating. Um, it's a fairly easy thing to do with some electrical engineering uh, expertise. And once we have the data on when the, the brush is rotating, we can essentially already know how much the brush is used on the group level. So this with a very simple technology can already give some information um, about how the brush is used. And we also aim to go one step further and this is where things can become a little bit more complicated because ultimately, uh, if we would like to draw some inferences about the well-being and the welfare of certain cows in the group, we would need to know how much individual cows use the brush, so not just on the group level. And for this, uh, we need some technology to detect for each rotation event which cow was the user. So we would need to read the ID of the cow that is using the brush. And we tested two different technologies to achieve this. One is the good old RFID with all of its uh, uh, challenges. And the other is a computer vision system uh, where we used simple barcodes that are easy to read um, for uh, computers and attach them to the cow's collars to basically detect with a camera which cow is around the brush. 
That's incredibly interesting. So based on your research, can brushes be used as welfare indicators? Well, my hope is that certainly over time, uh, we could uh, use brush data to draw some inferences about welfare. However, we are not, not there yet. So the idea uh, behind using brush use as a welfare indicator is that uh, brush use could be considered a so-called low resilience behavior. So what does it mean? It means that it's uh, easy to imagine that if a cow is not doing so well, it's, it won't give up uh, feeding or drinking or lying down just yet. So these are the very important behaviors for survival, for the maintenance of, of body functions. So these will only change when an, Ill when an illness only already manifests clinical symptoms or when the cow is really not doing well. However, there are other behaviors, and brushing could be one of these, that already changes before we would see any clin clinical symptoms, before we would look at the cow and think, oh, there is something off. So um, the idea would be that if we can continuously measure how much individual cows use the brush, then we could use this data and then use health check data, use lameness data and other uh, data streams from farms to validate how changes in brush use could be related to the well-being of the cows and how we could utilize this behavior as an early indicator that something is off. Well, that really just ties right into my next question, because we know that social stress is a part of life for most dairy cows. What are some ways that you're able to calculate the social behavior of a herd? Yeah, so other than brushing behavior, social behavior has also been proposed as a so-called potential early indicator. And the, the thing is, uh, with social behavior, it, it's fairly hard to measure. Um, currently, and most of the research relies on either live observations or um, video recordings, and then researchers sitting in front of uh, video recordings and watching the cows and coding the behaviors for hours and hours. But this is absolutely not something that could be uh, applied in a commercial setting. So uh, we are really interested in ways to actually automatically measure some of the key social behaviors. And I would say there are two main categories of social behaviors that we try and tackle. And one of it is the competition or agonistic behavior, where cows basically express agonistic interactions uh, against group mates uh, and push themselves push them away from feed or push them away from the brush so this is one thing that we are trying to detect and the other main category is the positive side of social behavior so the social bonds between cows and it would be super important to know uh, if cows have uh, highly valued uh, social relationships in their groups that would be beneficial to maintain. Yeah, I'd I'd like to dive into um, both of those items. So looking firstly into how you said um, the agnostic behaviors. So are some cows naturally bullies or does this behavior change on maybe something based on, let's say, lactation stage or if they have some degree of lameness? So this is a question that we are uh, looking at a lot. And we have these electronic um, feed and water bins at UBC and many other research facilities use the same thing. Um, and from this data, what we can do now is uh, we can automatically measure when cows jockey at the feed bunk and uh, replace each other at these electronic bins. 
So we can get some idea about how they compete for feed and water over long time periods and with group composition changes. So we use this data and uh, tried to identify the strategies of different cows, how they deal with a situation where there are just less feeding spaces than cows in a group. And this is something, overstocking is something that is very common um, on commercial farms too. So what we have found, and this is nothing new, um, that cows have a so-called dominance hierarchy. Uh, so naturally, they have so-called pecking order. It's less straightforward than in chicken, but still, there are cows in the group which are more dominant and have, so to say, VIP priority access to resources, whereas there are others which are more subordinate. So they are often um, pushed away a lot or have to wait until they can get access. Uh, so we tried and, and used uh, this uh, automatic data and looked at how this competition strategy of cows change uh, as they move through the transition period, which is a time in the lives of cows when uh, they often get sick. And it's a highly stressful period with uh, feed composition change, group composition change, just being after calving, lactation starting. So there is a lot of turmoil. What we found is that... Uh, Initially, already um, in the dry cow group, there are differences between cows in how they deal with this competition for feed. So there are certain cows which uh, shift their time uh, when they eat. So they like to go when there are just fewer animals present. However, often this corresponds to the feed not being so fresh anymore or being after the peak feeding time. And there are also other cows um, which which go there and fight for the feed. and um, engage in many agonistic interactions during those times when there is fresh feed. So basically, this combination of um, synchronous feeding with others and engaging in agonistic interactions, these two factors are able to explain how cows approach competition. So based on this data, we found that, yes, there are cows who engage in agonistic interactions, even when it's not necessary, when there are other places to feed, but they still go and and single out that few others who are there and, and push them away. Whereas there are others who don't fight and just are able to peacefully uh, access feed even during highly competitive times. So yes, there is individual variation. And I believe that it would be very beneficial to kind of integrate this kind of knowledge into management decisions and into the grouping of animals. So that's what we are working towards. Absolutely. That that's so interesting showing truly how cows do have personalities and there's a lot of data there to utilize and make decisions with. Cows are clearly social animals and often it seems like when you're walking through the barn or the free stalls, you seem to see the same cows together. Um, so for instance, there might be maybe only two jerseys and a whole herd of Holsteins and they're always together or two cows always are just hanging out. So this really begs the question, do cows have friends and do we know how they select them? Well, this is a wonderful question and uh, I like talking about it because this is something more from the positive side. We talk a lot about welfare challenges and the negatives and the aggressiveness and, and um, all these challenges that the cows face. But looking at their social relationships and their, their social positive bonds is truly something where I feel that we could uh, improve their lives in, in significant ways. So coming back to your questions, um, 
it this is something that uh, many people wonder about and we try to collect data to assess this scientifically and to better understand why we see this phenomenon and absolutely this is the case that that anyone who uh, has spent a bit more time in a barn sees that there are certainly cows that always seem to hang out together one study uh, that we have done um, looked at how familiarity influences the behavior of cows when they get regrouped so in this work uh, we took small groups groups of four or five uh, of cows uh, out of a social group where they were familiar with each other and created a new group out of these small groups of familiar cows and um, then we looked at their behavior specifically uh, how they compete for feed and also the neighbor relationship so do they feed next to each other and also we looked at social licking so are these familiar cows licking each other more often and there is a technology uh, an analysis technology that uh, is often used in human contexts it's, it's called social network analysis it, you can imagine it as if someone would look at your Facebook relationships and your network of friends, and then based on whose pictures you like and who you me message with a lot, it is probably uh, possible to detect your strongest social ties, at least in that network. So we do something similar with the cows and analyze their connections, again, uh, often relying on automatically collected data from the bins. So coming back to these familiarity questions, this is, I think, one of the lowest hanging fruits to, to rely on because we could hypothesize that if cows are familiar with each other, when they are in a new environment, um, it's possible that they would like to hang out with those who already, who they already know and not risk, um, engaging with maybe unfriendly others um, from different groups. And indeed, uh, we have found patterns that seem to, um, go this direction, what we have seen is that after we mix these small groups of familiar cows, um, those who knew each other were grooming each other or so licking each other more often than those who didn't know each other. And they were also neighbors at the feed bank more often. So familiarity seems to be uh, one factor that um, influences these, um, uh, these interactions in the group. And familiarity can mean a lot of things. So in this study, we just used a very simple approach where the cows were coming from the same group before the mixing. Um, these groups were not huge. So in groups of 15 to 20 cows, it's uh, reasonable to assume that everyone is familiar with everyone. I wouldn't necessarily say this in groups of 100 or 200 cows. Um, but other experiences such as uh, growing up together, um, being um, in the same barn or in the same group as heifers uh, in if uh, calves are socially housed being in the small uh, small group of cow calves all of these experiences are factors that possibly contribute to to later social behavior and um, if we develop automatic methods to capture uh, these bonds between cows i'm sure that during the next couple of years we will be able to tell much more and I really hope that we will be able to give some practical advice to farmers in terms of how to improve their grouping strategies to allow cows to maintain the bonds that are important to them. Absolutely. That's incredibly fascinating, especially utilizing that, that social networking system. It, it makes perfect sense to me how um, those are alike. So 
as you said, we have all of this data and it really would be wonderful if we were able to give recommendations to dairymen um, based on this data. Is there anything that we can do right now with the information that we have to have a positive effect on animal welfare? Um, I would say it really depends if, if it comes to smart farming technology, it really depends on the specific barn and the devices available there. Um, and, and I would say that uh, making sure that the decisions that are made based on data are indeed um, made in a way that it relies on something that has been validated. So often I think the challenge that uh, that we face or that farmers face is that there is lots of data coming in, data beautifully visualized, but there is still a lack of exact uh, guidance and decision support in terms of what they should do with the data. Um, so I would say for farmers who have lots of data coming in, be curious, look at your data, and try to find um, try to find reasonable relationships between data and outcomes that you see on the farm. However, this this will never replace um, scientific studies and peer reviewed research on actual guidance. Uh, but but still, I would say don't don't just um, think that okay, I will have the data and from then on it will be easy. There is still a lot of work to be done, but data has tremendous potential. And having the data, looking at the data, being familiar with it is, is very important. So when the time comes that more things have been validated, those who are already familiar with these kinds of systems, familiar with the maintenance, know what kind of factors influence data quality, um, they will have a huge advantage when these um, uh, guidelines come out or when more um, validated uh, decision support tools become available because they will already be familiar with all the um, nitty-gritty details of, of these systems. So one simple ad advice would be know what your uh, equipments are doing, know what influences um, data that comes out, and um, and try and, and stay on top of the newest research and the newest guidelines, because it is coming at a very high speed. And... Um, and I hope that as we move forward, as we are able to uh, bring in more source data sources like brushes, uh, bring in more technologies such as location tracking or computer vision technology, um, we will get there where we, I, I hope we will be able to have an early warning system to, to give idea for farmers about welfare concerns. Absolutely. And Throughout this conversation, we've been talking a lot about the positives and the benefits that can um, come from the smart barn technology. But are there any risks um, specifically to animal welfare um, because of these technologies? Yeah, this is something that um, uh, has not come up as much in the literature, probably, as it should have. But uh, there are uh, certainly now voices uh, expressing some of these concerns. So one risk that could be for welfare is just simply from introducing more technology to the lives of cows. So there may be certain cows who are less um, able to cope uh, with sensors if uh, uh, devices are attached to their bodies that can pose challenges to their welfare, if their behavior is modified because of equipment in the barn that can also increase welfare risks. And these are more like the, this direct uh, risks for their welfare, which are probably 
easier to mitigate because uh, both cows and farmers uh, already often uh, operate in a highly technological environment. And this this will be, I would say, more of the same. Um, however, there is also another risk. It's a bit more indirect that um, uh, if we imagine a barn like, okay, we bring in all the robots, they give all the data, so I can just manage my from, farm from the sofa now. I think this is this is this holds the risk of um, of farmers maybe not engaging with their animals at, as much and not having as much uh, direct oversight of the herd. Of course, this is again probably highly dependent on the person, but this is certainly a risk factor because robots are not perfect yet, and um, and the oversight of farmers is is absolutely needed. However, this also holds an opportunity because if uh, farmers are not, um, if they don't have to spend so much time on the tedious task associated with maintaining a dairy farm and uh, on troubleshooting certain things because um, um, the technology takes care of these problems, they may have some time freed up which they can spend to engage uh, with the cows in a pleasurable way. So just walk around in the barn, take a look at their animals, have positive interactions with them uh, without having to treat them or having to um, log them for, for some kind of uh, assessment. So certainly, I would say the human-animal relationship will change as we introduce more technology in the barn. And it's good to be aware of these risks, both both for the animals and for the farmers, in order to avoid a situation where uh, it compromises welfare. There's so many opportunities, but also, as you said, there are some risks and it's important to be aware of them. So we're now at the end of our conversation, um, but before we wrap up, I'd like to ask you a question that I've been asking all of our interview guests, um, and that is, what does an animal-centered environment mean to you? Well, an animal-centered environment in the context of dairy farming means to me a barn and an environment where cows have increased agency, where they are able to decide on their lives a bit more. They are able to decide when to feed, when to lie down, where to do these things, and they have choices. So they can choose who to engage with, who to avoid, and generally have more influence uh, over how their days go by. And also they are able to engage in, in positive uh, experiences. So it's not just a lack of suffering, but also an environment where they have agency and they are able to have pleasurable experiences. Well, thank you again so much, Dr. Forrest, for your time and insights. Modern smart burn technology can give us quite a bit of insight into the social behavior of our herds and its impact on welfare and productivity. So thank you to everyone who joined us today, and we will catch you in our next episode. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm, or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.